Okay, now I don't have any problems. Uh, I, I'm just the most lovable person and, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I definitely have issues, we all have issues. Um, so good morning, how are you guys doing? Good, how was your fourth? Good, ours was pretty good. We did all the normal stuff, had a barbecue, had family over, uh, we played in the pool, it was a blast. On the fifth, the next day, I was sore. I asked Jared, I'm like, what did I do yesterday? Why do my legs hurt so bad? And he's like, hon, you went swimming. And I was like, I went swimming, okay. That shouldn't make my legs hurt this bad. And he's like, how often have you been working out lately? Leave it to your spouse to call you out when you're asking a simple question about why your legs hurt. Uh, But if you remember back to the beginning of the year, we had a panel when we were all up here. And one of the things that Jared and I were really working on the beginning of the year, we were getting up early in the morning, we were doing our devos, and we were exercising together, and it was awesome for a while, right? (laughs) So it was awesome for a while. And then what happened? Well, the thing is, I need eight hours of sleep if I'm going to function well. And after a prolonged period of time of having five or six hours of sleep, by five o'clock every single day, I was just wiped. And I still had life to live after five o'clock. I had kids, I had to make dinner, I had to get them in bed. I needed to veg out in front of the TV afterwards because I was so tired from the kids. And I wasn't able to do that waking up so early and I couldn't seem to get to bed any earlier than 10 o'clock. So my priorities shifted, right? And this month we are talking about priorities. We are talking about getting in line, prioritizing the big things in life. And to me this seems like it makes sense. Pastor Chris is on sabbatical right now. He is focusing on getting his spirituality in check, in line with God, getting refreshed. And I feel like this is such a timely thing for us as a church because we can do the same thing by figuring out our priorities. The same time that he's working on it, we're working on it too, right? Well, today I'm going to talk about how we need to prioritize. Are you ready? Ready for this? Drum roll, please. Living your truth. Now, if you're anything like me, you hate this phrase. Live your truth, live your truth, speak your truth. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe you love this phrase and you got it tattooed on your arm or your forehead or something. And you love this. And if that's the case, that's awesome. Nothing bad. I hope that this message will provide a little bit more depth to what this culture says as living your truth. So the thing that I have trouble with when it comes to live your truth is that it seems like it's an excuse. Anyone feel like that? Sometimes it feels like it's an excuse to say what you want, to do what you want, to, well, I, well it's my truth. I gotta speak my truth. I've gotta live my truth. And I feel like I hear it a, a lot. But if you're on the other side and you're like me, I want you to pause there. Because if those phrases get under your skin, I bet if we got talking, that you might have some strong opinions about political issues, certain presidents, how certain people maybe portray Christianity, what they're teaching in schools, um, why the economy the way it is. I bet you have some truth that you would wanna speak if we had those conversations. Maybe you would say it directly, maybe not. Maybe you'd make a sarcastic joke. I don't know, but I bet you have some truth that you would wanna say too. We all have some of those. I know some of those issues, even for me, they start to ruffle me up and maybe I wanna say something about them. But as I got to thinking about living in your truth or being your authentic self or something like that, I was actually thinking that it's kind of on the right track, but that there's a big piece that is missing. It seems like 
the point that people have in living their truth is that when they live their truth, they're able to speak up for something that maybe they didn't feel comfortable speaking up for before. We also, we live in the U.S. What do we value? We value freedom of speech. So it makes sense that this is kind of a big thing that's coming up. And now people are trying to explore their lives. They're exploring themselves. They're actually doing some self-reflection and realizing that they have some truth that they want to live out and speak. But my problem is that we're missing a chunk of it. My problem is that this makes it seem like our reality and our truth is the sum of our feelings, our emotions, our opinions, or our past. And it's not. We're made up of more than what we think. We're made up more of, than our opinions. We're made up more than our passions. We're made up more than our past. So we're going to turn to Mark 12:30. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Do you see the aspects here? You have your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. These are different aspects, and this is the greatest commandment. And that's why I love that it's the greatest commandment. I love that it tells us what our main priority is, to love God like that. But it tells us how to do it, and we have to do it with all of our being. We have to do it with all of our truth. So let's get to point one. To live my truth, I need to operate in every part of me. I need to operate in every part of me. Have you guys heard the story of two dogs? So usually it's told there's either an Eskimo man or a mountain man, and he's up in the mountains, he has two dogs, and they do not get along. These two dogs are always at each other, they are always fighting with each other, and then one day his nephew comes. When his nephew comes, he says, uncle, which one's gonna win? And you know what he says? The one that I feed, the one I feed the most. That's the one that's gonna win. Now, we all have aspects of our lives that we feed. Each day, we have a new opportunity to feed each aspect in our lives. But some days, we don't. Some days, we feed this and this and this, and we forget about this, and we forget about this. Sometimes, there are different aspects that we're not feeding at all, maybe for a week or a month or for a year. So what's going to be stronger? Who's going to win the fight? The one who's going to win the fight is the one that you feed, right? Those parts of yourself that you feed. So let's take a look at this schedule. It's a hypothetical schedule. Maybe it's not like yours at all, but it is a little bit like mine. Wake up, go to the gym, maybe not that part. Uh, Shower, take the kids to school, go to work, eat lunch, finish work, figure out dinner, after school plans, take the kids to practice, have the dinner, clean the house, do the laundry, help with homework, take the dog for a walk, pray, go to sleep. Now, maybe that's not like your schedule, but you might be able to mix these things up. So instead, you might substitute it for homework or time with friends or a significant other, working on your car, woodworking, crafts, trying to clean out your garage that you clean out every single time, but it seems to never get clean, even though you keep doing it over and over again. But this is a fairly typical schedule, I'd say, for a lot of us in here. And when I look at this schedule, Um, I think when we get to the end of the day, sometimes I do this, and I'm like, man, how much time did I spend with God today? Here I am praying before bed, but I almost feel guilty because I didn't talk to him earlier in the day today. Or I was too tired for devotions today. There's a whole side, there's a whole part of me that isn't getting fed. 
because I'm, I'm missing something that's very important. I'm missing a huge chunk of us. We are missing a huge chunk of us. If you look at Genesis 2-7, it says this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living person. So here we see two things. We're formed from the dust of the ground, from something that is natural, something that is physical, right? We have our physical being. We also see that we are formed from the breath of life. We have our spirit. God breathed his spirit in us. The hard part is that because we have these two aspects, sometimes we only feed the one, but we are spiritual beings too. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, they put it like this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We're going to do a little bit of temple research here so you could learn a little bit about the temple because here it's saying that we are the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God, right? Let's learn a little bit more about the temple. So the temple is a physical location where there is a spiritual presence. Remember, we're the temple. Physical location where there's a spiritual presence. In ancient Near Eastern thought, um, a temple was constructed after order was made. So here we have God who created the earth, who created order, and then we see that a temple is made. Now, if we look at Genesis, um, we see that this is actually kind of like temple gardens. So in the ancient Near East, if they had temple gardens, that was the place where um, God's presence would, would dwell. It was a place that was for him, that was made for him. And we kind of see that view in Genesis. When we see the Garden of Eden, God was walking along with them, with the people. But then what happened when sin entered the world? Was God walking in the garden anymore? No, he had to leave that. And it, it was almost like it was the Holy of Holies in the Garden of Eden. And then we don't see a Holy of Holies again until the temple is built. Then the temple's built. We have the Holy of Holies where God resides. There's even this veil that's covering it so no one can see it. And only the high priest can come into the temple one time of year to make a sacrifice. That's how, how special his presence is. And then the temple was destroyed. And then what? Jesus died and rose again. And in Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit was sent to live in every believer. And we became the temple of God. Now, the cool thing about the temple in ancient Near Eastern thought and, and in biblical times is the temple was a place of protection. It was a place of peace. It was a place of God's dwelling. It was his presence here on earth. So his presence was here on earth in the garden and then sin defiled it, right? Then his presence was in the temple and the temple was destroyed. And then his presence came to each and every believer, came to you, came to me and resides in us. And guess what we are now? We're now the temple that holds the presence of God. So when people encounter us, they're actually encountering God. We are the safe place. We are the protection for people. We are the place where others can experience. They can get that living water like they had in the Garden of Eden. We provide the living water now in us because God lives in us. But so often we're feeding the physical. Remember, we are, we are made from dust to the ground and we're made from the breath of life. We are spiritual and we are physical. And we keep on feeding the physical because we can see it. And it's so easy. So what do we got to do? Well, point two, to live my whole truth, 
I need to honestly survey my current situation. I need to honestly survey my current situation. You can go ahead and pop the picture up on the screen. There is a doctor, Dr. Peggy Swar Swarbrick. Let's see, do we have it? There we go. She created the dimensions of wellness. This is what she recognized as being the eight dimensions of wellness. You have emotional, environmental. Environmental is like the earth. Uh, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, social, and spiritual. Her idea was that each one of these is interconnected with each other. Not only that, but they build off of one another. So if you are emotionally doing well, then your spiritual life will do well. If you're emotionally doing well, your, so your social life's gonna do well. If you're physically doing well, then your intellectual life will do well. Like these kinds of things build upon each other. And I think that's a good starting place. I think it's a good starting place for us to start to examine our lives and where we're at and see what have we been feeding and what haven't we been feeding. So maybe I'm feeding my stomach some good food, some healthy food, but I'm not exercising as much. So maybe I'm doing exercising a little bit of that. Or maybe I haven't been spending as much time intellectual because I've just been so tired from something else. So I haven't been reading as much as I normally do. But there are different parts of us that, we've, that we're able to feed and we need to take an actual assessment of where we're currently at in our lives. And we're gonna do that today. We're gonna to do that here in just a little bit. And if you, one of the big things that the Bible tells us is that one of the best ways to do this assessment is to get with God and have God talk to you. So we could throw up this Psalm in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me into the everlasting way. We can go to God. When I was in college, I used to go on God dates. I'm like, I'm going on a date with God. I go up to the mountains, bring my Bible and my phone. I listen to worship music. And I'm like, okay, God, speak to me. And, you know, actually, I would hear God speak to me. I feel like things would get prompted inside of me. And here we see David telling us to do the same things. We're saying, God, search me. See what's not right. Help me to know what's not right so that I can change it. Go away and ask God for help. Lamentation says this. Let's take a good look at the way we're living. Let's return to the Lord. This is implying that sometimes we walk away from the Lord, even when we're with him. Sometimes there are different areas in our life when we've just turned our back and we need to turn back around and that's okay. And it's, this is what we do. We return to the Lord. We're actually supposed to examine ourselves before we take communion. Did you know that? We're actually called to examine, to look at our lives, to see if we've been following God or not. In 1 Corinthians, this is what it says. It says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup, Without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Are we honoring God with our actions, with our thoughts, with our spirits, the way we're, we're interacting in our job, with our finances? Before we receive communion, because communion is a, is a reminder of what God did for us, right? How Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. He shed his blood for us. So we need to remember that. So we need to come to him and say, God, please forgive me for this area of my life. Or Lord, is there anything that's not right in me that I need to ask forgiveness for right now before I receive this? And then you receive it 
And what happens when you seek communion? You remember what God has done. We are supposed to survey our lives, accurately survey where we're at. And that kind of takes us to our third point. To live my truth, I need to become obedient to what's important. To live my truth, I need to become obedient to what's important. And that's what priorities do, right? They help us to become obedient to what's important. Now, I have a new dog at home, and she's really cute, and her name is Zelda. Um, we, at first, she was named, what was her name? Hazelnut, thank you, you remember, <laughs> right? Her name was Hazelnut, which is really cute. Uh, but she wasn't answering to it. And then we're like, okay, she's not answering. Let's, let's see if the kids, and the kids all agreed on Zelda. Now the girls, they wanted a princess name. And then they found out that Zelda was a princess from a video game. So they were, they were happy with that. So here we go. We have a little Zelda. She's really cute. She's three years old, rat terrier mix. Um, and she knows some commands. I guess they taught her no. Because when you say no, she seems to respond well to that. Okay, cool. Sit half of the time, but she does nip some and she jumps some. So we have to train those things out of her. Now the trainer said one of the best ways to do that is first getting her to sit. Get her to sit before she's going to jump on you. So we've been working hard with getting her to sit. We have our treats. They're in easy access. We go over to the piano, get some treats, and we're working with Zelda. Zelda, sit. Zelda, sit. She's like waggling her, you know, sit, sit. And then she sits and give her the treat. Now, Zelda has determined what is a priority in her life, and it is those treats. Zelda wants these treats. So what is she doing? She's becoming too obedient to listening to me, which are what's important, because she knows what's really important for her, and those treats, that's what's really important for her. So I've been working with her, and I feel like I'm learning from this dog here, who's really cute. Now, um, I showed you the eight dimensions of wellness. Now I want to show you a revised version. This has been gemified. This is when I see the Bible tell us that our priorities should be. Now, now uh, Dr. Peggy had a good idea, she had a good starting point, but the Bible tells us, every time I was going, because today I'm actually supposed to preach on health, right? Physical, emotional, spiritual. But when I'm reading the Bible, what comes up is everything else depends on your spiritual health. So I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm preaching on today. So here we have spiritual health. Now this to me actually looks like a solar system a little bit. This is the sun, you have the spiritual, and everything else, all the different aspects of our life are revolving around the spiritual aspect of us. If you know anything about the solar system, you know, the sun is like moving and we're all surrounding it, it's pulled into it. And then the light of the sun reflects on those areas. The light of God in our lives, our relationship with him is going to impact our emotional life. When we are down, when we have no reason to have joy, for some reason, God gives us joy when we turn to him. When we are in financial ruin, say we have a job, our job's going great. All of a sudden they do a restructuring and now we have no job. Who are we gonna turn to for provision? We turn to God, right? He's the one that provides for us. Uh, he helps us with our occupations. He helps us with our minds. Socially, oh man, I, my past, I had some really toxic relationships. And God came and just changed everything. He changed me and he changed my group. And now I have a group of loving and supporting friends. I have an awesome husband. I'm so thankful, but that was God in my life. That was not my own doing. This is what God does. 
So when we start to put God as the center, when we start to invest in what's most important in our spiritual life, these other aspects are going to get in line. So we're going to close by looking at the story of Naaman. So Naaman, this is in 2 Kings 5. Naaman was a general. He commanded armies for Aram, from the, the country of Aram. And um, God gave him favor. So when he led the battle, they won. So the king of Aram loved him. He thought highly of him. Now, the problem was that Naaman had leprosy. And if you know anything about the Bible and leprosy, if you have leprosy, it's like a skin disease. You are supposed to live outside of the camp because you are diseased, because you are unclean, and you'll make other people unclean if you're around them. So he was highly regarded, but he had this disease. Now, his wife's uh, servant said, hey, you need to go see this prophet who's in Samaria, and you can get healed. So he's like, okay, I'll go to the prophet. He got all the gold. He talked to his boss. His boss is like, here, take as much as you need. He got all the gold, all the silver. He went over, and he's, he was ready to go to Elisha and say, heal me. This is what happens. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a message out to him with this message, a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. And I might do like a little kid because he sounds like a little kid here. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hands over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord God and heal me. Naaman knew that he had a good reputation. He's like, I'm respected. The prophet will surely come to me and he's going to say something, some crazy incantation or something. And then all of a sudden I'm going to be clean. And is that what happened? No, Elisha sent a messenger and the messenger said, here, go wash seven times. So thankfully we have Naaman's servant who said this. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? If the prophet told you to go up, climb the mountains, do a handstand, turn around, say some funky things, wouldn't you have done it? Of course you would have done it. So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. The Naaman, I don't know why my mind wasn't working. The Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He became obedient to what was important. Now, prophets were the voice of God. So Elisha saying this, this is the voice of God saying to go and do this. Naaman became obedient to the voice of God to go and do this thing. And God now made him emotionally healthy because he's healed, physically healthy. I'm sure it helped him occupationally and spiritually. All of the different aspects of his life are becoming healthy because he became obedient to what was important. And that was what God told him to do. I know you and I have some areas in our lives where we haven't been obedient to God. Maybe it's not anything that's too far off. Maybe you're okay in all of the areas, but I bet you God wants to do something else in your life who wants to take you even further. This morning, we're gonna receive communion. But before that happens, what I want us to do, 
I'm going to have uh, Jenny come back up on the keys. I'm going to have her play. What I want us to do is to think about, take a minute and think about the different areas of your life. Maybe I'll put that revised version back up. I want you to think about those areas and ask God and say, God, which area do you want me to improve on? Which area is lacking? Let God instruct you. Then when you feel like he's instructed you, or maybe you don't hear anything right now, but you're thinking about it today and that's okay. You'll go over to the corners. There's some there, there, and I believe there's going to be some in the back. Uh, People are going to have communion. Go over there, receive it. You can go back to your chair. You can eat of the wafer, drink of the cup on your own. And then at the end, I'm going to pray for us all together and we're going to be dismissed. Okay? So look at these areas and let's all just start talking to God. And let's ask God how he wants to how he wants us to become more like him, how he wants us to put the right priorities first. Lord, thank you so much for loving us despite what we've done, despite how we get distracted and something becomes more important than you, than being with you, than talking to you, than our relationship with you. Please forgive us for that, God. Come to you this morning and we just say that we're sorry for getting distracted, for turning our back or turning to this side and and not focusing on what's important, and that's you. And no matter what, our, the most important thing is our relationship with you. And I, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you for your grace that you give us, because we need it. Lord, direct us this week. Each person in here, direct us on how our lives can line up with you and who you want us to be. Help us to be the temple, God. We're the place that you reside. Help us to be that, to live that, so that each person who encounters us, Lord, will fill your presence because we're walking around and we're bringing that health and healing to every person that we encounter. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.